There's a ghost town in northeast Wisconsin that was a casualty of the forgotten fire of 1871, the deadliest fire in U.S. history. Come with us now as we explore the ghost towns and stories surrounding the Peshtigo Fire of 1871. Hello and welcome to another Midwest Ghost Town Podcast. My name is Dan Klein. I'm your host, your history enthusiast, and your ghost town and abandoned history adventurer. And like we say on this channel, let's keep history alive. One way we can certainly do that is by talking about it and making this podcast, and of course, videos as well. We'll start off this podcast talking about a very sensitive matter, especially on the heels of the Maui fire. The numbers are a bit mixed, but the latest numbers that I've gathered were about 115 dead and approximately 1,500 missing. So naturally, this number could rise. And during some of the news, they've mentioned several times that this is the worst U.S. fire in over 100 years, which points to today's podcast where we talk about what was known as the Forgotten Fire, a fire that captured that name because there were several other fires happening at the same time on that fateful day back in October 9th, 1871. That fire that they're not really talking about when you're listening to newscasts about what's going on in Maui is this one. Most notably, the fire that is known as the Forgotten Fire or the Peshtigo Fire. But the reason why it was kind of known as the Forgotten Fire was there was another fire that happened at the exact same day. That was the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, which overshadowed everything. A fire that legend has cemented into history because of the story of one cow, Mrs. O'Leary's cow, that kicked over a lantern in the barn and started the chain reaction that spun out of control over 24 hours, burning the downtown portion of Chicago, killing 300 and leaving about a third of the city population homeless, which today we know or shouldn't now know by now is that the story of Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicking over a lantern and causing the Great Chicago Fire is based on myth. It just didn't happen. But here is what happened. The bigger story is that the Chicago Fire wasn't even half of the real fire, which burned further north in Wisconsin, around the area that is known as Peshtigo. Now, you may hear or things such as Peshtigo, that's really not the correct pronunciation, it's Peshtigo, which lies along the Peshtigo River, estimating a death toll, now listen to this, estimating a death toll at 1,152. However, some believe as many as 2,500 people may have been lost. It's impossible to know for certain as the fire destroyed records and burned many people beyond recognition. The fire was so large and wide that it burned over 1.5 million acres. It burned around the southern portion of Green Bay and up through Door County. Besides Chicago and Peshtigo, 16 other communities were destroyed in that fire. The value of the property and forest destroyed was estimated to be about 5 million U.S. dollars, which would be about 122 million in 2023 dollars. So it was a devastating fire, to say the least. There were countless stories of how the fire skipped over the bay to burn into Door County along the peninsula. But it probably just burned around Green Bay, and there are even more stories how there were also fires going on across the lake and into Michigan. But it was Chicago that took the headlines, 
And there was a good reason for this. Number one, because of the sheer size of Chicago as a city. They had more news outlets, papers, journalists working the story. And number two, even bigger reason, at Peshtigo, where close to 700 people had perished within minutes, the high heat had literally burned all the telegraph lines. The entire world was literally shut off from the news. Small towns of Williamsonville, which we will be talking about at greater length on this podcast, Sugarbush, Peshtigo, were all completely destroyed by the fire. And information traveled by foot. One town to the next, to the next, and word began to spread until finally it arrived in Green Bay and then across the state to the capital of Madison, Wisconsin. Now, the governor was gone when the word arrived and his wife was already taking action to help support Chicago and their great fire. And completely unaware of the destruction and toll that the fire had in their own state. The communities band together, however, from Watertown, Madison, Oshkosh, and more, and they were able to bring $166,000 together for relief in the burned-out areas. So as the aid and the news trickled in more about Chicago than any other area, the fire really became known as the Forgotten Fire. Thousands of victims and yet totally overlooked because of the Chicago fire, which was bad in its own rights, leaving 100,000 homeless and destroying over 17,000 wooden structures. Reconstruction of Chicago had its own toll. The story of Singapore, Michigan, for example, as it was deforested around its lumber camps and around Lake Michigan, sped up the erosion process as they were trying to send down lumber for the reconstruction of Chicago. And the west winds off of Lake Michigan eventually blew the sand dunes with little wind protection and completely buried the town of Singapore, Michigan, under the sand. And of course, you can hear more about that story on part one of Ghost Towns Under the Sand, which you can go back and listen to. But it was Chicago that helped accelerate the process and created yet another ghost town as the end result of the fires. Even after all of that, it still wasn't as severe as Peshtigo. And we'll get into more accounts and stories after this. Hi there, Dan with Midwest Ghost Town. I wanted to tell you of some awesome episodes coming up. We have some interviews with some pretty awesome folks here in future episodes. One of them is a legend abandoned history photographer, if we can call him that. He has been a founding member of a specific site like Abandoned Iowa and more. And he was on a recent trip down to Tiger King's Lair down in Oklahoma and had some crazy stories and pictures to go along with it. I did kind of throw it out to him whether he wanted to talk about that or some of his other adventures. So we'll kind of see where we go with that. But we're going to bring him on and we'll talk a little bit more about some abandoned history and show you some of the pictures that he's taken along the route. I also have my good friend Deb, one of the founders and owners of Save Your Town, and we'll get a chance to dive into the issues that are roadblocking towns and becoming ghost towns and entering abandoned status. We have these and much more, so consider subscribing and following along here on Midwest Ghost Town. And like we say on this channel, let's keep history alive. The Forgotten Fire became the Great Peshtigo Fire of 1871, as we spoke earlier. And here are the stories that lead up to the ghost town of Williamsonville, Wisconsin. 
Williamsville, also known as Williams Mill, was a newer platted town with a population of 77 and covering less than 10 acres, had one of Door County's largest shingle operations. In fact, the company was so large that nearly all of Williamsonville's residents worked at the mill. A town consisted of eight homes, a blacksmith shop, a store, and the mill. Four days, the fires had been burning the forest areas around Peshtigo. Sparks blew across the river and started some of the treetops on the other side to start a blaze. It soon started to spread from tree to tree, raging along the river, and the faithful began to pray for rain. But the rain came too late. Williamsville, Sugarbush, Peshtigo had all been dry in 1871. With the drought in the area, it passed through the forest and the grass and the weeds were like tender a super fire starter, and the flames spread even faster. There were 77 residents, and out of the 77 in Williamsonville, 60 were killed by the fire. The survivors were left with burnt hands, eyes, feet, and the place they called home, their friends, their family, their houses and workplaces were all gone. The fire was reaching temperatures of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and it was melting everything in its path. And if the fire wasn't enough, it was the fact that the high winds were creating something even more devastating. Fire tornadoes. As if a fire isn't enough, you add the force of a tornado behind it, whipping high power winds with heat blasts of 2,000 degrees. There were stories of these fire tornadoes literally lifting train cars off the track, whipping them in general directions, blowing over the tracks, and melting the rails. Thomas Williamson of the area gave a detailed survivor eyewitness account of the fire at Williamsonville. There came a heavy puff of wind. The trees fell in every direction, and I saw the reflections of a big fire south of us. I thought it was a mile and a half off, but in less time than it takes to write this, there came another heavy gale, and the flames came rolling through the woods up to the back of the barn, and then sparks came down like a heavy snowstorm. The next day, 35 victims were found in the potato patch huddled together near the edge of that forest. There were accounts of several men trying to outrun the firestorm only to be consumed by the fire tornado. Some used blankets to cover themselves to no avail. And then there was a story of seven men who ran from the fire tornadoes burning flames at their back, their clothes on fire, their families reduced to ashes, and there was no escape. They were surrounded with death at their doorstep, and yet there was a single well. So they jumped into the well, falling to the bottom to protect themselves from the fire tornadoes. And only five of the seven survived. Of course, what else could you really do? I mean, actually, that was the only thing at their fingertips for survival that they could do and you can actually visit where five of the seven survived at Tornado Memorial Park. There isn't anything left of Williamsonville as the Peshtigo fire wiped it completely off the map. The fires were so bad that many survivors shared how they had never seen such chaos and horror and they believed that Judgment Day had arrived. More to come right after this.
Hey there, Dan with Midwest Ghost Town. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe to the channel, we would love to have you come along. Consider, but don't feel obligated. We love having conversations about history on this channel and would love to hear from you. Our email is midwestghosttown at gmail.com. And you can give us questions there or topic ideas that you would like to see on this channel. Or you can leave us mail and messages at both Spotify, YouTube, and X, formerly known as Twitter. Here's a question we had from Bruce. I noticed that you are not always at the sites. Do you think this is something you're going to do more of the future? Thanks. Really enjoy your content. Well, Bruce, first off, thank you for the compliment. And that's why we do this. You know, it's not really about me or anybody else. It's just really about the community, which is the most important part of Midwest Ghost Town. And the answer for your question is absolutely. We really do plan on going to as many as possible and we'll try and have the footage as we go. Obviously, we have to be realistic without footage, especially with some of the far reaches of the world, whether it's in an African desert or in a radioactive fallout danger zone where we aren't allowed to get footage. But we aim to try our best, which means Rome wasn't built in a day. We keep moving forward. We have plenty of content and thankfully, a lot of people have been to certain places and when we are allowed to share their pics and videos, it just makes this experience in Midwest Ghost Town that much better. I think the thing that really eats at me is knowing that some of these places that we document or talk about on the show are like an hourglass and the time is ticking away. Here today, gone tomorrow type mentality. We would love for that historic rustic looking church in the middle of North Dakota to last forever, but we know that's not reality. The reality is that many of these places are fading away, never to return, and gone forever. We hope to record the history and capture pictures and video and images before those last days, but sometimes we miss that chance. So to answer the question in simple terms, yes, we do plan to do more in the future, and we'll keep striving to do more. Let's keep history alive. Okay, back at you. And we've covered the ghost town of Williamsonville, but let's shift back to where the fire got its name, and that's at Peshtigo. Stories that reminded me of the parallel of Maui and Peshtigo was the story of people running for cover in the Pacific Ocean. Pictures of the Maui fire showed the burned buildings and charred remains of cars along the beach roads and all the destruction led up to the charcoal shoreline. And the story about Peshtigo was the story of survival of the locals trying to make their escape to the river. So there were some parallels there as men, women, and children made their way out into the water. They waded up until their necks, and even there, they weren't safe. They were trying to escape that heat, but sparks and burning wood began to fall from the sky, and only by throwing water over themselves did anyone survive. There were accounts of people saying that when they looked to the right or the left, all they could see were flames. Flames from their houses, trees, and as far as they could see. And it wasn't just the people. Even the animals sought refuge from the fire in the water. Some animals would bump people off the logs they were clinging to. Some animals rolled over top of them, drowning them in the river. Bodies were everywhere. Carcasses of horses, cows, scattered. Huge trees had been burned down to their roots, leaving huge blackened holes. And no building none were left standing. The heat from the fire, like we mentioned earlier, had reached over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, enough to melt sand into glass. 
And even though some had made it to the river, they still needed to fully immerse under the water to escape the high heat and only emerging to take breaths before sinking below the surface again. We covered the town of Williamsonville and marked it as a ghost town. Peshtigo decided to rebuild. And this is telling a lot of our ghost towns today. When tragedy strikes, do we rebuild or not? Is it worth it or is the destruction too far deep and wide? It reminds me of the ghost town story I told early on a different episode of Manchester, South Dakota, which was wiped off the map by an F4 tornado. A different natural disaster, but one that strikes similarity in the level of destruction. A testament to what Mother Nature can truly do, and the sure power of fire, floods, tornadoes, even earthquakes, and more. Ghost towns and the events that create them will always be a staple to the Midwest ghost town. Here we discuss history of ghost towns and abandoned places, and most importantly, the stories of those who lived in or around them, with a possibility of over 3,800 of them just in the U.S. alone. We'll have plenty more to go. Thanks for following along. Join the discussion, and let's keep history alive. This is Midwest Ghost Town.